Again, today, let me invite your attention to Genesis chapter 6. We're talking about spiritual giants. Today we're talking about the life of Noah. How many of you would agree with the statement, technology has changed our lives? Do you agree with that? brought my phone with me today, simply from this phone right here. I, I can do so many things. I can make a phone call. I can send an email. I can send a text message. I can check my retirement account. I can make a hotel reservation. I can make a flight reservation somewhere around the world. I can read the Bible on here. I can also order food and have it delivered to my house. I can check what the real estate market is doing on this phone. I can do so many things just simply from this gadget, this device right here. Uh, you can also talk to a lady by the name of Siri. It could be a man, whoever it may be. And uh, they'll, they'll help you out as well. I got bored the other day and just said, hey, Siri, how's your day going? And uh, responded back, said, happy to be here, not too shabby. And then I thought, well, I really want a witness to this person, so I don't know who it is. So I said, by the way, did you go to church last week? And uh, said, didn't want to answer the question necessarily. And so then I asked the person to say, hey, by the way, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I tried to witness to her, but she didn't really want to get into a gospel conversation too much. But try to witness to anybody that you can. So turn everyday conversations into gospel conversations, but seriously just wouldn't want to go there. These things have changed our lives in many, many ways. The way we communicate with each other, the way we live life. But on this Father's Day, let me ask you this. When it comes to the Word of God that is true from beginning to end, has the Word of God and is the Word of God changing your life? As we think about the Heavenly Father who loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life, is Jesus Christ changing your life? As you and I think about the sermon series on spiritual giants, we're introducing you to many biblical characters who live life. And, and there are times in life you find yourself in a meeting. When I was in my doctoral studies at New Orleans, I, every seminar that we had, the professor would always say, let's go around the room and introduce yourself to other students because we were traveling in from all over the country. Tell us a bit about who you are. Tell us about your family. Where do you serve? How do you serve in the local church? And you get to know people that way, make some relational connections that way. But in this sermon series on spiritual giants, last week, Peter, today, Noah, here's what we're doing. We're pulling back the curtain on their lives and we're looking behind the curtain and we're seeing their strengths and weaknesses. We're seeing their successes and failures. We're seeing all the mistakes many have made in life. Some of them stumbled, some of them soared. We're looking at those because we can learn from those individuals in God's word because God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things in life. He uses you and me. And that's what the heart of this sermon series is about, looking behind the curtain at the lives of people and say, God, how do our lives intersect with their lives? So many connections. If I ask you today, do you want to be used of God? Most of us in this room would say, yes. God, here I am, You use me. I want to give you two words. They're not on your outline, but I encourage you to write them down. That if you're going to be used of God from the life of Noah, these two words are essential for you in the Christian life. And you say, what are those two words? First word is surrendered. Noah had surrendered his life to the leadership of God. If you're going to be used of God in life, you need to surrender your life to him. Second word is teachable. Noah was teachable in his life. God spoke to his life. 
Noah knew exactly what God wanted him to do. It made no human sense, but, but Noah was teachable and Noah obeyed what God showed him in life. As you're used of God, surrender your life to him and always come with a teachable spirit to say, God, what do you want me to learn? What are you saying to me? How can I grow in my walk with you? And then I would also add this, that if you're going to grow in a Christian life, find some people in life who can mentor you in life. Many of them you're going to be able to relate with one-on-one. You're face-to-face. Some of them you're not ever going to meet on this side of heaven. You'll read their books, listen to their podcasts, interact with other material that they put out, but they will mentor you in the Christian life. That's one of the joys about going to the Southern Baptist Convention for me because God's given me some great mentors in my walk with him and minister with him, and I get to see them face-to-face maybe one or two times a year, and I get to do so in many ways at the Southern Baptist Convention. So that is great. But if you're going to be used of God like Noah, you're going to need to be surrendered, but also teachable to what God wants to do in your life. The other day as we were flying back into Nashville from New Orleans, we're, we're making our descent back into B&A Airport. And it was just one of those moments that as we were flying, I'm looking out the window, I'm sitting beside the window, and I could tell we're flying over green hills. And as we were flying, making our descent into Nashville, we flew over the Covenant School. And just looking out that airplane window a few thousand feet above the earth, I found myself just praying again for those grieving families of that school shooting. And then I found myself agreeing with what we see in Genesis 6 to thank God we live in a very evil, corrupt world. And then I found myself just reaffirming again to say, God, the hope of our country, the hope of our cities, the hope even of our church It's not politics. It doesn't make any difference who's in the office. God, it's not sports. It doesn't make any difference who wins the national championship. God, it's not entertainment. It doesn't make any difference who's on the platform of some stage. The hope of our world, the hope of our nation, the hope of our cities, the hope of our lives is one person, and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the hope of our nation. And so again, I just encourage you when you see those things of evil like we saw, just make sure you pray. Make sure you pray for grieving folks, but also make sure you realize where our hope is at and it's in a person. His name is Jesus. He's the Savior of the world. He's the Lord of our lives. And one day he's coming again as King of kings and Lord of lords. As you live the Christian life, maybe many of you like Noah Look at your family, your workplace, your school, educational institution, and you feel like you're the only person who seems to be living the Christian life. Maybe that's you. And you look at it and you think, God, I feel like I'm the only one who's living for you, who's faithful to your word, who's trying to do what is right, God, in your eyes. I feel like maybe I'm the only one. Noah understood your feelings perfectly. Because when you look at Genesis chapter 6, you see really two floods. Now, some of you are going to say, I don't know about that. I've read that story many, many times, and I don't see two floods. Here's what I mean by that. Yes, there was a flood of water. Noah built this ark. It lifted up because the the rainwaters came, rained 40 days and 40 nights, flooded the earth. But there was a second flood we see in Genesis 6, and here's what that one was. The earth was flooded with sin and evil. And because the earth was flooded with sin and evil, God said, I I regret, I'm grieved, I'm sad, I'm sorry. All of those verbs that we see in Genesis chapter 6, that I even made man. And he said, I'm going to destroy the earth. 
And so when you look at that, you see this flood of water, but there's also this flood of sin. When we were in New Orleans just a few days ago, we found ourselves walking a lot. And we walked down the French Quarter. We walked down Bourbon Street one night and had dinner at a nice restaurant there. And as we were walking back, and I wouldn't even tell you this morning some of the things we saw, to be quite honest, I'm not even sure what I did see. Uh, I'm a little scared to think what it was sometimes. I'm not 100% sure what some person, one person did. I'm, I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that's about. But I walked away thinking God's heart was grieved in Genesis 6. And I thought, God, just what I was able to see tonight, walking back from the restaurant to our hotel, God, your heart must be grieved again. When you see just evil, wickedness, and sin. And so as we walk through this, I want to give you some things here. Five major lessons from the life of Noah. I could give you these five and stop, and that would be enough. I want to give you the rest of the the blanks here in just a little bit. But I want to give you these five lessons, major, major lessons from the life of Noah. Look at the first one. Live different from the world. I want to challenge you, dads and, and granddads and I want to challenge everybody in the room and those who are watching. I want to encourage you, live different from the world. Uh, You and I, let me just say this. When you look at your life as a believer in Christ, and if your life looks like the world, something is missing in your walk with Jesus. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be weird. It's okay to be crazy from some people. It's okay to be the odd person out. Live different from the world. Noah lived different than people around him. He was righteous. He was blameless. He walked with God. I just encourage you in life, run to God. Run the righteousness. Run away from the ledge. Don't get close to the ledge and say, how close to the ledge can I get without going over? That's not a wise way to live. It's okay to be different from the world. We're to be peculiar. We're to be set aside, sanctified, growing in the likeness of Christ. Be different from the world. Don't live right on the ledge because you very well could go over. Run to the Lord and live away from the ledge. Live different from the world. Let me ask you this morning as dads. When your kids look at your life, do they see you living like the world or different from the world? Do they see you living like Christ or do they see you living like the world? Noah lived different from the world. Number two, expect to face spiritual pressure. Uh, You have to realize in this room, it's not too difficult to live for Christ. We're singing the songs, we're praying the prayers, we're celebrating baptisms, we're giving tithes and offerings, we're listening to a Bible-based sermon, we're going to give a gospel invitation. It's not too difficult to live for Christ in this room. But what about living for Christ in your family? What about living for Christ in your workplace? What about living for Christ in your educational institution? I promise you, if you're going to live for Christ out there, you need to get ready for pressure Now, because the world is going to put pressure on you to compromise your walk, your faithfulness to Jesus Christ, you need to expect pressure from those who are out there who don't know Christ in life. Noah understood spiritual pressure. Let me ask you dads again. When you look at your life, are you preparing your heart, your life, your walk with Christ now for the day, for the moment you're going to face spiritual pressure from other people who want you to compromise, who want you to live like the world, who want you to not take the ways of Christ so serious? Are you facing pressure and how are you withholding the pressure that you're dealing with? Number three, learn to hear God's voice. 
It's interesting in, in Genesis chapter six, God spoke in a general ways about the way he, again, he regretted. He, he, was, he was sorry that he made man and the earth was filled with violence. And then he spoke very specifically to Noah. And God said to Noah, and God ultimately said two things to him. Noah one, I'm going to destroy the earth. But Noah number two, I want you to build an ark. And that didn't make human sense because as God was speaking into the life of Noah, you have to realize it never rained before, but you also have to realize they were probably a hundred miles or so from any water like ocean or whatever. And God's telling him to build this gigantic boat. I mean, 450 feet long. Some people say 510 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. What a massive, massive structure. And God was speaking to them to say, I'm going to destroy the earth, but Noah wants you to build this ark because it's going to rain. And can you imagine the first day that Noah felt a raindrop hit him on the head? Can you imagine what that was like? But, but he heard God speak. He learned to hear God's voice. Dads, let me ask you today, do you know how to hear the voice of God in your life? Do you know how to be still? Do you understand solitude? Do you know what it's like when God, the heavenly father, the one who created this day, who gave you life, do you know how to hear his voice in your life as you give spiritual leadership to your family? Do you know how to hear the voice of God? Number four, share the gospel with conviction. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. There weren't many converts. Many people didn't listen. Many people didn't believe. But he shared the word of God with conviction. I just encourage you, share the gospel in your family, in your network with conviction. Here's what I'm saying. You can't be silent in this day. Because here's what I can promise you. The atheists are not silent. The evolutionists are not silent. This world is not silent. They're doing everything they can to influence your kids and grandkids in their understanding of how life should be, not the ways of the gospel. And so if the world's not silent, which they're not going to be, you and I cannot be silent as well. We must share the good news, the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, and do so with conviction. I mean, we, we can't be silent if we're going to reach this generation. Because I promise you again, dads, moms, granddads, grandmoms, there is a culture out there. They are spending billions upon billions of dollars to do what? Influence your kids and grandkids for a way of life outside of Jesus Christ. You can't be silent. Number five, seek to win your family. Dads, I want to challenge you to be kingdom dads. And when I talk about kingdom dads, what do I mean? You seek to, to, to win your family for the ways of Christ. Again, you've got a culture seeking to win your family, but you've got to be able to do so. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Here's what it says about, about Noah. And I love this passage. Again, all these individuals by faith. Hebrews 11, verse 7, by faith. Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear... Let me just pause there for a second. In reverent fear, Noah did what? He stood in awe of Almighty God. He didn't play a game with God. He stood in awe of God, reverence. I stand in awe of you. He stood there in reverent fear, the holiness, the righteousness, the majesty of God. He's doing that. And then what it said, in reverent fear, constructing an ark for the saving of his household, by this, he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Why did he build that ark? Yes, to obey God, but to do what? The saving of his household. 
He was winning his family. And so dads, I want to challenge you on this Father's Day. Granddads, I want to challenge you on this Father's Day. Make sure you're seeking to win your family. Here's what I mean by that. They need to see you living for Christ. They need to see you and hear you praying. They need to see you reading the word of God. They need to see you involved in spiritual leadership. When you come to church, don't just sit in the church, lead in the church. We need godly men who are willing to step up in preschool and kids and students and other ministries, godly men, godly fathers who say, God, use me. I'm going to step up. I'm not just going to sit in the pews or sit in the classroom. Lord Jesus, use me in the life of this church. And let me challenge you as well. When your kids, your grandkids come to you with a Bible question, don't say to them, go see your mom or your grandma. Give them the spiritual answer yourself. And how do you do that? You just seek to win your family. You're spending time in the word of God. God is growing you and discipling you and maturing you in the Christian life. Make sure you know Christ. Make sure you know the word of God and be the spiritual leader in your family whom God has asked you to be. Just a few nights ago on Jeopardy, I don't watch that show, but I think people on Jeopardy are smart people. Would you agree with that? I mean, when I, when I do watch, I see the question, mercy, they're smart people. Well, they had a question the other night. It was a biblical question. And the question was a fill in a blank. And here's what it said. I'm going to give you this phrase. And then to the contestants, you fill in the blank. And here was the statement. Our Father who art in heaven, blank be thy name. What's the word? See, See, you're smart. You know that. But do you realize three smart people on Jeopardy the other night, not a single one of them knew the answer to fill in the blank. Not a single one. I want to challenge you, if you're going to be kingdom dads, when you come to church, don't just sit in the church, lead and serve in the church. And if you're going to be kingdom dads, when your kids, your grandkids ask you biblical questions, sit them down, seize those teachable moments and say, son, daughter, grandson, granddaughter, here's what the word of God says to your question. Noah wasn't a perfect man. But he was a righteous man. He was a blameless man. And Noah walked with God. What an amazing characteristic about his life. So I want to give you just a few words here. And then we'll, we'll land this plane. Number one, model lives of integrity, not lives of inconsistency. Model lives of integrity, not inconsistency. Can I just say to you on this Father's Day, integrity still matters to God. And because integrity matters to God, it should matter to you and me. God cares about who you are in public. God also cares who you are in private. Integrity matters. Integrity matters to God, but also integrity helps build bridges to people. On the other hand, inconsistency. Inconsistency is not pleasing to God, and inconsistency builds walls with people who don't know Christ. People on the outside who don't know Christ, not connected to church, they see people who say they're believers, they know Christ, and they're living inconsistent. It's just a major turnoff to them. They're not expecting perfect perfection, but they are expecting consistency. And so when you look at the life of Noah, Noah was living in a very difficult place, wickedness all around him. But here Noah is living a life of integrity. He's living consistent. He's blameless. He's righteous. He's walking with God. 
He's living a life of integrity. How did he do that? Let me get you to fill in these. Number one, experience God's grace. The Bible said in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 9, after God saw the wickedness and how great it was in the earth and that every intention of thoughts of evil continually and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him in his heart. Can you imagine God regretting that and being grieved over that? And then you come to Noah in verse 8. But the Lord found but, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. What does that word favor mean? You may want to write it to the side. It means grace. Why could Noah live the way he did? Why did God want him to build the ark? Because Noah found favor. He found the grace of God and it changed his life. Let me just say again, the only reason you and I are sitting in this room today is because of the grace of God. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you can say one day you're going to go to heaven with assurance and confidence and with celebration, the only way you can say that is because the grace of Almighty God has changed your life. When you start serving Christ, whether it's on Sunday morning or in Bible school this week or in some other capacity, the only way you can serve the Lord Jesus Christ is because of his equipping grace in your life. And when you find yourself walking through cancer, various trials, storms, adversities in life, the only way you can survive those and even thrive in those is because of God's sustaining grace in your life. Noah experienced God's favor and grace. We have experienced God's favor and grace. Thank the Lord that his grace is amazing, it's marvelous, and it's overwhelming. Thank God for amazing, amazing grace. Number two, live godly lives. When you look at Noah, again, the characteristics of his life, these are the generations of Noah. Noah is righteous. What does that mean? He was seeking the right things of God. It says he was blameless, meaning it doesn't mean he lived perfect. He just lived different than the generation in which he was living. Noah lived a very peculiar life. People looked at his life and said, he doesn't live like us. He doesn't say what we say. He doesn't behave like we behave. Noah lived a very different life. He was blameless in his generation. And then here's an amazing statement. Noah walked with God. How many people would look at our lives today and say, when you look at him or her, I could say many things about him or her, but I can tell you this. He or she is a righteous person. When I look at him or her, he or she, blameless person. When I look at him here, walking with God in life, there's no doubt about that. Walking with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Live godly lives. Live different. And if you're going to live godly lives, you need to know this as well. You can't do so apart from the power of God. And when I talk about the power of God, it is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can't live the Christian life on your own. You'll never be able to honor Christ on your own. It is the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you and me who's giving us the power to live faithful to Christ in a wicked generation. It is the power of God in life. Um, a number of years ago, Angel and I, when we were living in Tallahassee, uh, I had a golf cart, and so it was a Sunday afternoon, and I told Angie, let's, let's get on the golf cart. I'll go play a few holes of golf, and, and, uh, and then we'll come back home, and we'll have something to eat. So we get on the golf cart, and we're driving down around the golf cart, get a course. And so we get up to hole eight, and, and so I noticed when we went up a little incline, we had a problem with our golf cart because the battery light came on, and we just didn't have a lot, enough power to really get up that hill. And I knew that we were in trouble. 
And so uh, I said to Angie, I said, I think we need to quit. We need to try to get home because the battery is not going to get us any more hills. And so I said, as long as we're going downhill, we're good. The problem is if we have to go up a little incline, we're going to be in trouble. So we, we make our way, and I can still see we turn left, and then we went down to another street, turn right. It was downhill for quite some time. We were sailing well. It was great. And then we got to a little incline, and then the cart just stopped. And so we, we had decision to make. Decision, well... Do we call one of our deacons at church who lived in the neighborhood and say, can you come with a, a rope and pull us home? Uh, do we maybe wait some good Samaritan to see us on the side of the road, maybe help us? Or number three, Angie, I'll get out and push and you drive. Well, pride probably got in our way a little bit. So I said, I'm not going to call that deacon. And I don't know any good Samaritans coming down the road just yet. So I said, Angie, I'm going to push. And so I'm pushing and she's driving. And I mean, my heart is beating like a thousand miles an hour. I mean, there's stuff coming off my forehead like sweat that I'm just pouring it out. It's hot in Florida in the summertime. And then Angie has this idea. She said, why don't you get in and drive a little bit and I'll push. Now on the service, I said, that's pretty good idea to me. I'll drive and you push. And then I told Angie this. I said, there's not a chance I'm going to do that. You know why? Because somebody will see us. You, I'm driving and you're pushing. And they're going to take a picture. And it'll be on social media this afternoon that I'm driving away and you're pushing this golf cart. There is no way we're going to ditch this golf cart before we do that. That's all I need to be on social media. Pastor here at this church. Wife's back there pushing and he's taking it easy drive. We're not going to do that. But I told Angie, I said, here's a lesson for us. Let's don't ever leave this house on this golf cart unless it's been plugged into the power source. I want to encourage you, don't walk outside the doors of this building today. Don't try to lead your family, your workplace, your school. Don't try to do that unless you are connected to the power source and his name is Jesus, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to live godly. Number two, live for God's approval, not the world's applause. Oh, because I just say to you as your pastor, when I live the Christian life, I want to make sure in the Christian life, I'm living for the approval of God, not the applause of this world. But can I tell you how tempting it is to live for the applause of this world? I wish I didn't even have to make this statement I'm getting ready to make. There have been many people I know in ministry and they're literally on the ministry shelf today. And here's why. The enemy tempted them to live for the applause of people, not the approval of God. And they did not handle that temptation God's way. And they lived for the applause of people and it destroyed their lives and their ministry as well. I'm so thankful Noah lived for the approval of God, not for the applause of people. Let me, let me get you to fill these blanks. And number one, pursue the will of God. Uh, Noah was pursuing the will of God in his life. When it comes to God's will, there's a determined will, there's a desired will, and God has a will for your life, for your marriage, your family, for this church. God has a will for us. How, how, do, how will I know the will of God? Well, listen to God's voice. God's still speaking to us like he spoke to Noah. Listen to God's voice, but also live with courage because God very well may ask you to do something that makes zero human sense in the eyes of people. When God told Noah to build an ark, that made no sense to people, but he was going to obey God. I encourage you, make sure you pursue the will of God. When you, you say, well, how will I know if it's God's will? It will always be in agreement with God's word. He'll never ask you to do anything that violates a biblical principle in Scripture. 
God's always consistent with his word. You'll have peace about it because God's not the God of confusion. He's the God of peace. You'll also find fulfillment in that. You will love what you're doing. It may not pay the greatest. It may not have the most recognition, but you're going to love doing it because that's what God's will is for you in life. Like Noah, pursue the will of God. Then number two, guard against blending in. Noah was not going to blend in to people around him. Noah was going to live different than the people of his generation. Guard against blending in. You want to look different than this world. You want to be peculiar people. What does that mean? You're justified in Christ. You're sanctified. He's making you more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And one day you're going to be glorified. You're going to see him face to face in heaven. Live different than this world. Number three, commit to worship the Lord, not worry about results. Let me just give you these blanks. If you're going to do that, number one, walk with God. The Bible says in this passage, what does it say about Noah again? Noah is a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. One day, you're going to have a funeral service unless Jesus comes again and raptures us to be with him. What are people going to say about you in your funeral service? Family members, a pastor, whoever it may be, what are they going to say about you? I can think of many things that people could say, but I tell you, one of the greatest words anybody could ever say over my life when that day comes is these words. A lot of things I could say about him, but I can say this. He walked with God in his life. I want to ask you dads. I want to ask you people in this room, moms, children of God. Are you walking with God in your life? Walk with him. Number two, trust in God. Worship God, don't worry about results. When you look at Noah, he didn't have a lot of results. He didn't have a lot of people to follow up with on Monday. He wasn't building big big buildings. He was building a big, big ark, but he wasn't building big, big, big buildings. But, but make sure, again, you trust in God in your life. You worship God. You obey him, and you leave the results to him. Again, God's definition of success is very different than the world's understanding of success. But you walk with God and you trust in him and you'll see God work in your life in incredible ways. Now, let me finish here. Five final challenges from Noah's life and I'll give you these. Number one, believe in God's promises. If you're gonna be used of God like Noah, you have to believe in the promises of God. God promised Noah that it was going to rain and Noah believed in God's promises. One day God has promised us that Jesus Christ is coming again. We believe in his promises. Number two, serve in hard times. Noah was serving in hard times. You and I are serving in hard times. Be faithful to him even in the midst of hard times. Number three, witness to tough people. Now, there are going to be times you're going to witness to people and they're not really interested. They're not really excited about the conversation turning to a gospel conversation. We were in a, a vehicle the other night with an Uber driver driving to an event at New Orleans Seminary. We were seeking to witness to the gentleman who was driving us. He wasn't super interested in what we had to say. Prayed for him, had a conversation with him, and we said, we're just going to sow seeds. We're not worried about the results. That's what God, we're just being obedient to what God wants. You're going to witness to some tough people. Number four, live for God's glory. What does that mean? We make much of Jesus in everything that we do in life. I sent that text message to some guys today to say, hey, today, let's just make sure we make much of Jesus. You live for the glory of God. And then number five, obey in every detail. When you look at Noah, God told him, I'm going to destroy this earth. 
I want you to build an ark out of gopher wood. I'm going to give you the dimensions of it. And then I want you to put one door in the ark. I want you to obey me in every detail. Let me give you two application points here and then we're going to pray. One, I want to ask dads and men, but all people here, those who are watching. If you're going to obey God in every detail, some of us today on this Father's Day, it would be a wise spiritual decision for us to start uncluttering our lives. Because if we're not careful, we get a lot of stuff. We cram it in closets and other places. It's just wise to unclutter our lives. Here's something I've been doing. I get a lot of emails every day. I try to respond to all the emails. But sometimes you'll get on a list of people. You didn't ask to get on their list. You just got on it somehow, and they start sending you email after email after email. Anybody agree with that? You get those as well? I mean, you can get this literally 20, 40, 50, 100 emails, just stuff. Here's what I've been doing over the last few weeks. I've been clicking unsubscribe to all of those and getting off those email lists. And I can tell you what, it is a freeing experience to do that. Plus, it will save you a lot of time in your life as well. Clean the clutter out of your life. Dad, if you look at your life and there's just a lot of clutter in your life, start cleaning it out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come clean and let him change your life. And then obey him in every detail. Here's what I want to say. When God told Noah to build the ark, gave him the dimensions, here's how long, wide, high, those things. And then here's what God said in, in chapter 6 there. He said, I want you to put one door in the ark. Not, not multiple doors, one door. I want you and your family to go through that door. I want the animals to go through that door and then shut the door. The Bible says, and then when he said, I want you to put pitch around it, you may want to write this in the side of your Bible, the word pitch you see there in Genesis chapter 6. When you look at the word, what does it mean? It means the word atonement. It's a significant word. As you and I think about going to heaven, how many ways are there to go to heaven? One. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In the Gospel of John, how did Jesus identify himself? He said, what I am the door. Not doors, I am the door. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It is the person, the name of Jesus Christ. I just want to encourage you. The door on Noah's ark was closed, but I want to tell you on this Sunday morning, on Father's Day, the door to heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, is still open. And I plead with you this morning, beg you this morning, walk through the open door. Give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Trust him as your Savior. So if you're a dad, you're a granddad, your son, your, your daughter, what, whatever, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, let this be today where you surrender your life to Jesus. Why? Because we have a good, good father who gave his only begotten son for us that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You need to follow Jesus in believer's baptism. Obey him in every detail. Say yes to him this morning. You need to join the fellowship of the church, not sit on the sidelines, get involved, serve, be used of God. Say yes to him. Obey him in every detail. Dads, granddads, you look at your life. You're not living all that God wants you to be. Say today, draw a line in the sand and say, God, I'm going to obey you in every detail. It may not make sense to people, but God, I'm going to do what is right in your sight because I want to be righteous, blameless, and walk with you like Noah did. And God will use you. And we can do all that because we have a good, good Father.
I want us to bow together as we pray. Our pastoral team is going to be here. Our prayer team is going to be here as well on each side. Those who are watching online, you, there's a link there that you can respond to us because we'd love to respond back to you and we'd love to help you in your spiritual journey as well. Give your life to Christ. Obey him in baptism. Join the fellowship of this church. Draw a line in the sand. Say yes to God's leadership in your life. Surrender your life to ministry. Whatever God's calling you to do, walk through and obey him in every detail while the door is still open. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for the life of Noah. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your invitation. We thank you for being the door. Thank you that we enter heaven through you because you died on an old rugged cross, gave your life, shed your blood, victorious over death in the grave. Lord Jesus, you are alive today and you're inviting us to find life, real life, abundant life in you today. And I pray that will be the case all over this worship center and those who are watching around the world. Lord, we love to celebrate salvation decisions and people obeying you in every detail. And we can do so today because you are a good, good father to us. And so, Father, this invitation is about you. We're worshiping you. We're not worried about the results. We leave those in your hands. But, Lord, we ask, we beg, we plead, we appeal with people to obey Jesus in this invitation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen.